Stravacraft coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig. They also offer whole bean or ground options as well. And in these difficult times, supporting our partners is supporting us. So if you do use anyone like Stravacraft, be sure to tweet at them and tweet at us so we all can have a good time and enjoy trying to make it through all of this quarantine going on. If you do want to buy Strava, you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 online, and then you can get it shipped straight to your door. Easy and painless. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help reduce migraines, decrease anxiety, help with aches and pains like arthritis, IBS, and many other things as well. So use that DNVR20 code and go get yourself some Strava. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer in both of their locations, as well as wines and liquors from around the world, which you can now get for pickup, curbside, or delivery from their locations. They'll be going to just that on Saturday. So be sure to get that. And again, honestly, delivery is just easier to deal with. It comes right to your door and then you have your beer to drink so when you watch abs games like this one it gets a little bit easier i'm nathan rudolph he's aj hayfley the abs just lost game five of the 0-1 stanley cup finals to the new jersey devils four to one at times i don't think the game was that bad but <laughs> the abs not. just struggled to get themselves into this one i would say I thought it was uh, the the outcomes and the scores are interesting because uh, the way they got there, very different from games four and five. Yep. Because they had a 2-1 third period lead in game four. And if you just look at that, you're like, oh, baby, the abs are in this. And they got smoked in that game. Yep. Game five, they played significantly better on the offensive end, though had certainly had their problems defensively. And Wad just wasn't very good in this one. And and that's that was the difference between them losing three two in the in the final minutes, and them getting worked four one at home. Yeah, I mean, if if they got Wah from game four in game five, they have a legit chance uh, to to win game five to steal game five because the the goals scored against just weren't that great. Like they odd man rushes and and guys kind of in alone, but like. The John Madden goal, the fourth goal, not that great. Yeah. Uh, the the McGillney goal. Okay. Yeah. If 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 Grubauer gave that goal up, social media would burn itself down. So, <laughs> you know, like it it was just it just was not it, it was not very well played from Wa in that game. And to be honest, that was the worst thing that could have happened for the Devils because when Patrick Wa had a bad game, it was it. 
He, he did not string together hard. bad games. Yep. Yeah, he did not string together bad games very often, especially in the postseason. And we're going to see on Monday exactly what happens. But <laughs> this was this <laughs> this was an interesting one to watch because you see the final score and you're like, oh boy, how do we get there? And it's it's nowhere near that bad. Um, the Abs played much better than they did in Game Four, certainly on offense. Um, but their power play continues to just be terrible. Yeah. Just to go over some of the numbers, Wah, his worst save percentage of the entire series, I believe, with an 8-4-6 in this one, giving up four goals on 26 shots. And on the flip side, you kind of mentioned the Avs got the offensive opportunities, but they just didn't finish them. Yeah. Berder made 22, of 20, 22 saves on 23 shots, and multiple chances, one from Dave Reed where all he had to do was lift it over the glove and it was a goal and he put it yeah. right into the glove. High note had a couple of grade A chances right in front that either Adam foot had one on, too. Yep, foot fanned on a, a wide open cross crease pass. Well, Niedermeyer got his stick in, but foot should have had it. Yeah, like there was there was some defense there, but like that's one you've got to convert that man. You've yep. got to convert that. One hundred percent. So the uh the underlying effort was there, I guess you could say. The process was good, as we Definitely. love to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's – I would take – if you're just watching how – if you don't watch any of the goals, you just cut those plays out and you watch the game in a 0-0 fashion, yep. you'll you'll definitely take what the Avs did in Game 5 over what they did in Game 4 because Game 4 was nothing. Yeah, 12 shots were, at Game 4. They I were mean. trash in Game 4, and they didn't deserve the they, – they did not deserve to win that game. I don't think that they deserve to win Game 5, but it was – way more evenly played yep way more evenly played i'm not i'm not gonna say that the the devils by far deserve to win that game like deserve to win that game just at least in terms of process right um the same way that they did in game four it just nowhere near the same uh caliber of a beatdown that the the 4-1 game should have been game four this should have been 4-1 them running out the running the abs out the building and this this would have been this would have game five felt like it would have been a perfect three two game with the teams going and going back and forth and punch counter punch and and trading uh, high quality goals because each team was generating good chances. Uh, the Devils created the better of the chances, no doubt, especially the odd man rushes early on. But it was it was definitely a much better played game from Colorado. Just didn't get the result, and you know this is. This is the hard part of hockey. This is the hard part of winning a Stanley Cup. Yep. You got the best players in the world. You're in the Stanley Cup finals. You're beating up. The other team's missing a couple of good players. You're missing your one of your best players. And the war of attrition is on. And now you're trying to you're trying to juggle, you know, the you're trying to juggle, okay, well, hey, as a team we're playing better, but now we got now we got poor goaltending. Well, you know, look at early on in the series. The Devils played pretty well, but got poor goaltending from Broder. Exactly. So these things, these things evened out in this in this series. Watching how they got here uh, is gonna is is fascinating because we're we're gonna see a goalie steal a game. The only time in the series that that ends up being true, we're gonna see it uh, on Monday. Yeah, it's coming. It, it and, is interesting though. Um, sorry, finish your thought. It it it. It's crazy to me that you have two of the top five goalies of all time going head to head, and only one game gets stolen by right. these guys. Well, and it is the interesting part of that is 
despite this game being a loss for the Avs, we've talked about it pretty much through the first four games of the series entirely. The style battle was completely going to New Jersey. And this one, you started to feel a little bit of momentum going into a, a heavier pace, a more offensively minded styling here. And obviously, the Devils are perfectly capable of keeping up with that, scoring four goals in this game. But knowing the way the Devils like to play, and in hindsight, I do wonder how much of that is the Avs starting to impose their will on the series. I do think offensively, this was the game where they really found footing. Yeah. Definitely. They definitely did a better job. I I remember how game six played out. So, um, you know, this momentum does not carry over. But it does, it does show, like, the style battle. You know, I've compared this series a little bit to the one that Colorado played with San Jose last year. Uh, because it's like, hey, when you kind of win the style battle, you want to win those games. Colorado won the style battle in game one. Uh, Colorado, I guess you could say they won the style battle in this game, but just didn't get the goaltending to back it up. Or the goal scoring either, for that matter. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, you're not going to win very many playoff games with one goal. So yeah. um, the pace of play certainly was something they were more comfortable with, but uh, they just did not did not finish. I think that's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, you mentioned the the brutal power play. They did score a power play goal early in this game uh, with a. Yeah. It took a not your standard power play uh, breakout as Ray Bork had to yolo back and make a diving play to to break up an odd man op, uh, shorthanded opportunity. Yeah, a three on one shorthanded. Yeah. <laughs> and Bork makes the play, and it's and it sparks. One of the only controlled zone entries that we saw um, that we've seen really on the power play this entire series from the ads. Yep. Is there, what are your main gripes here? There was a lot of talk in the Twitch chat about it. A lot of people complaining about the stagnation of the abs power play, even back then. What's my main gripe with the power play? Yep. Uh, the, the zone entry. Fair enough. Um, my biggest gripe with the current team it has nothing to do with them getting into the zone. Yeah. They do they do a fantastic job of getting into the zone. Certainly um, the first unit anyway. It's oh yeah, I mean the second <laughs> any team's second power play unit, you're just like, look, we're just getting the big guns some rest. Yeah. If we score, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fair the enough. only the only team that maybe that's not true for is like Toronto. <laughs> maybe or Tampa Bay. Like there are very few teams where the second power play unit comes onto the ice and you're like, oh boy, <laughs> we're worried about this. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that my my biggest my biggest gripe with the the O one, they just <laughs> they just don't get into the zone uh and set up at all. When they get set up, they move the puck around and they do a good job and they look dangerous, but they they spend 40 seconds just trying to get into the zone and set up shop and then try to create a dangerous chance. And that, and then maybe the other gripe that I have is that their personnel sucks on, on the, <laughs> on the point. Yeah. Like Blake and Bork are great, but You're knowing that we Adam just, foot. Yeah. This is, this is obviously like, Hey, I'm living in 2020 saying this, but sure. Blake and Bork should be on separate power play units. Yep, straight up. You're 
overloading that uh, that lineup a little bit with two guys trying to do the same thing there. Yeah, definitely. And that was just how it was back then. So that's like, this is like, we fast forward 20 years from today and watch the 2020 abs. And it's like, why are they wasting time with Sam Gerrard on the point? You yeah. know, like, wow, don't, doesn't everybody know that they do, that they, they, you run five forwards on a power play now? <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if that happened. So <laughs> very, very possible, but it's, it's certainly in an interesting differential in, in that way and just how teams utilize their players. I mean, the abs gave up the final goal of the game with less than two minutes to go. And Patrick Waugh was still in net when they were down by two, which particularly a, a pain point for the abs specifically because Waugh was the guy that engineered pulling the goalie so early when he was coach. So yeah, he was the guy. I'm going to turn this off. There we go. Given all those phone sounds going to make yeah. everybody mad. Right. <laughs> um, Anyway, we'll take our first period break right now because after a game like that, I desperately need a Breckenridge brew here. So shout out to them. And they have been a longtime partner of us and they are the official beer of DNVR. They also have pickup options. You can go down to the Breckenridge Farmhouse down in Littleton and pick up your beer and get your orders that way. They also do food, so if you're just looking for a little bit of takeout for lunch and want to pick up your beer, that is a great option, and they're offering $5 off when you do use their pickup. Highly recommend it. You can call 303-803-1380 to set it up. They do pick up from 12 p.m. to 8 8 p.m. every day, so they have you covered there. If you can't go in, you can also always use an app like Drizzly to get it delivered to your house as well. So if you need your Avalanche Amber, your Colorado Cores, your Strawberry Skies, you name it, you can still get it even during quarantine. Second period of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. As I sit here sipping on my brew, AJ... The thing that I found a bit interesting about this game in particular, or that I was personally thinking about, is with no two-line passes allowed, with the neutral zone being what it used to be back then, I do wonder how different... I'd love to see, like, Corsi statistics from back then, right? I've had that thought a few times. I'd love to see some of the fans... That's some of the heat maps and stuff about what this looks like because exactly, boy, does it feel like this whole series for both teams has been played on the perimeter. Yep, a whole lot of uh, heat maps out towards that blue line. For yeah, sure. it feels like it feels like the home plate area is gonna be like like what home plate looks like for the first batter of a baseball game, where it's perfectly pristine and untouched. Yeah. <laughs> The, you have Brodeur and Wah using their sticks to, like, brush off the dirt a little bit there or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, dude, it, everything is coming from the outside. Even if you look at most of the goals scored in this one. Yeah, I mean, Tange's ripper from the top of the circles was about as close as he got, really. I guess the cross ice, <laughs> the first uh, Devil's goal to Eliash, but... Yeah. It was there is nothing going in at least in and around the net. 
it's it's funny because you see some of the best chances the Avs got throughout the game, the ones that they didn't manage to beat Brodeur on were all relatively in tight. So, yeah, it was a different time where the advanced stats were not there and, and the teams didn't subscribe to them nearly as much as they do today. So that's a never ending battle, I, I suppose. <laughs> Although they did, hey, they did have their own, for that time, their version of advanced stats was Patrick Waugh having 34 giveaways on the season. So, you know, they were trying. They were tracking some things, like Patrick Waugh's terrible puck handling, but... Yeah, that... How weird was it? What was wrong with Pepsi Center that they couldn't have scanned it? Yeah, I was wondering about that, too, because they have it all set up in New Jersey, and they just, right. I guess well, they just didn't like... set it up. They've talked. They've talked a couple of times uh, about <laughs> um, the 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 glass and how yep. Pepsi had the seamless glass that it had been then. integrated. Yeah, which and was, it was like... like it was like top end glass at the time, and we didn't know that it was causing horrible amount for of players yeah. concussion <laughs> problems. We just know that hey, it was like seamless glass, and you know this was this was a major advancement. Yeah, uh, and and then of course in Jersey you've got that old school glass with the separators, and it's just a total mess, right? And that's the one that has like scan vision, which had like thirty cans involved for them to make it. And but Pepsi Center, which was a brand new building back then, uh, was like I think it was just two years old. Yeah, in, in two that when the series happened. Yep, <laughs> and, and they couldn't put it in there. And I'm like, what's what's with the new barn not being able to hold the technology, but the old barn got this? So weird to me. Definitely a little weird at the time as well. I, I suppose maybe they figured they had their money on New Jersey going for a deep run, no matter what, out of the East. But maybe, I, I don't know why you wouldn't think the Avs are going deep this year, given that you know they were the best team in the league, but... Just yeah. trying to figure it out why they wouldn't stick it in the Pepsi Center there, but I don't know. Yeah, there had to have been like a you know like with baseball and they're trying to figure out how to put the netting. Yeah. Uh, in all the all the different stadiums, but the cabling is is causing a major problem, and it's why Coors Field is one of the ones that doesn't have the netting going all the way down first and third base uh, lines. And yep, it's like hey, this is like an engineering problem that they did not have to think Prepare about for yeah when this was built you know pepsi center was built and they weren't they weren't doing it with espn's scan vision with 30 cameras in mind i just i thought that was an interesting part of the broadcast uh since this this is our post game pods haven't been just about the games it's kind of been about what life has looked yeah, like back in 01 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a different time it's uh, part of experiencing these games is everything else that was going on as well. I mean, it was a very yeah. different world back then. I, not to get too much into it, but obviously some of the big notes of in history since then, this was before 9-11 happened even. It, nearly 20 years ago yeah. now. Not, uh, not too much, not too much longer before that, but yeah. Yeah, it was only a couple months, but back then you could, June. you were bringing in giant bags of whatever you wanted into stadiums, and it was fine. <laughs> so yeah, just sure, just that's a good point. Different that's times. Different. Yeah, yeah, it was very different, and 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 that's part of the feel to the games as well. I mean, one of the big 
things that we're doing on the the live stream of the games is going back and and listening to all of the music that was on back then and half the time well honestly on every song depending on who you ask in the chat people are either jamming out to it or hating their life depending on the song so yeah i could do without the missy elliott but basically everything else i'm appreciative of (laughs) i should say i'm enjoying it's not that i'm not i don't missy elliott was super talented it just wasn't for me Fair enough. Fair enough. You pick your winners and and you go with what you like. No arguments there. Yeah, it's like you have a you have a horse in Backstreet Boys or Instinct Race. Like you just do. <laughs> you you picked one of them and then you rolled. Doesn't mean you couldn't also enjoy the other's music. You just couldn't admit it once you picked your horse. <laughs> exactly. They're the dirty secret for sure. Absolutely. So it's like uh, well, everyone loved Dan Hine. I'm trying to think. Who's the the dirty secret player on this Owen Avs team that everybody was like liked but wasn't willing to admit it? And I'm Ooh. not sure who to come up with. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe John Clem. Clem, maybe. <sighs> John Clem has major Ian Cole vibes. In hindsight, knowing how people I knew started to feel about him in the following years, Skula, maybe. Oh, everybody hated that dude. Not everyone I knew loved him. Oh, I have never known a world in which Avs fans liked Martin Skula. Well, on school is probably a good answer for me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. Well, and I also, you know, I was I was living in Texas at this time, so I did not know any Avs fans. Fair enough. While this team was constructed, my the only Avs fan that I knew was my dad. Yeah, so. And he did not like Skula. Sample he size of one like there. Yeah. <laughs> but he also liked Greg DeVries, and I couldn't stand Greg DeVries, so what does my dad know? There you go. That can be a that could be a dirty little secret like right there. Greg DeVries. It, it was certainly interesting. The Evs had multiple chances. We already mentioned the foot one. Bork had a few as well. You mm-hmm. straight up talked about Avs defensemen crashing the net and legitimately not knowing what to do in this game. So it was weird to see the Avs defense activating so hard back in 01. Yeah, and uh, we talked. We also talked after this last game about them splitting up some of their lines to try and generate offense. Yep. And they did that. They sure did because they were trying to. They were trying to. You go top heavy like that, and they can hard match. Yep. It the benefit is is you get all of your top talent together. The downside is is that. They get to put all their top talent together to stop you. Well, obviously it didn't work out, but you combine that with the last change at home here. We saw it in the third period where Joe Sackick managed to draw a penalty off a matchup where the Devils got caught in their own zone and weren't able to change for him. So, Yep. It, and that and they started to split that line up. Um, yep. They put uh, they had Drury with Tangay to try and create a little bit of different looks on offense, and I thought that that was uh, – I was happy to see it, and I think it kick-started a little bit of offense. They got some more chances. Yeah. But, you know, when your best scoring chances are Dave Reed, Eric Messier, and Adam Foote, like – A bunch of non-goal scorers, grinders, and defensemen, basically. Like, you're just not going to be upset when, you know, when 2001 version of Matt Nieto and Gabe Bork and Sven Andragato don't score. Yep. 
You know, like you're just like, ah, well, that's why these guys are on your fourth line, right? Like, Par for the course, they can, yeah. <laughs> occasionally they can slap a puck in, but <laughs> it's not something that they're going to do with any kind of consistency. So you just kind of lived with it. And that was really the thing is that Colorado's big guns on offense really, like, Tangay finally scored. Yep. It's just his third goal the entire playoffs. It's funny because we know how game seven goes. And so yeah. we think just he's been immortalized, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Does does Pittsburgh immortalize Max Talbot this way? I mean, honestly, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because that was like the big thing he did in his career, whereas Tangay got you know was still he, pretty good. <laughs> well, he was he was a very good and productive player for years for the Avs. And so it's funny to go back and be like, oh, wow, he was really bad in this playoff series outside of game seven when they absolutely needed it the most. Right. Well, well uh, so far through this series, far too many haves have has been a bit of a rude awakening of, oh, right. They were not doing great through five games. Yeah. Like, where you at, Milan? Hey, Duke. Non-existent in this series, man. Just... Like, it's it's been it was like Sackick early on and Drury and the only consistent offense has been Drury and Blake. Yep. Drury, Blake, and then right, probably Sackick is in from games one and two, really. Yeah. Um, well, and I know like Tanga has a couple of assists along yeah. the way. Uh, I think you know, Hayduk has like an assist or something too. But... I know Tanga had at least one assist on the Blake goal in game one that we didn't get to see that made yep. it four nothing where you're yep. like, woohoo, this is we're now, you know, now we're just stomping them LOL. But right. He also had he also had the assist to Blake uh, in Game Four on the 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 goal that he scored when he broke in, but it was it was like a bad pass where Blake made a great play to kick it from his blade to his stick, and like these guys just are not playing well. Like Tangay and Hayduk, they're they're not playing well. Sakic has been has been marginalized in the last couple of games, doing a good job drawing penalties. His his line has drawn a number of penalties, but yeah. they're not doing anything consistently on on the power play even though they've got four goals in the series like it feels like it feels like chewing glass watching their power play definitely not been an effective power play for the vast majority of them they're talking about going one for six in games they're so they're getting that one goal but it still doesn't feel like enough. well and it's like if that's the only goal that you're getting this is really not enough if that's the one goal that you're getting, it needs to be significantly better. 100%. So, I have a theory about what happened in this series, alright? Before Game 5, Patrick Waugh did not shave his junk. Oh, man. But for Game 6 I and 7... I was so curious about this theory, too. <laughs> Got him. Now it's all about balls. Yep, exactly. Had well, manscaped you know, when existed. Gonna, when you're going to put them on the table, they need to be manscaped. That's yeah, You got to look good for the table. People are going to be taking pictures of it. I mean, you know, you when you got to step up. And and that's exactly what happened for game six and seven coming up here. But had manscaped existed back then, Avs win this series in five. I'm telling you right now. Easy money. Easy Man, money. 
<laughs> Manscaped has redesigned their new electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, to be the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And Patrick Wah would have needed it in this series had it existed back then. They also have an amazing package that comes with more than just the trimmer, including multiple different things, toner, anti-chafe cream, deodorant, whatever you need to take care of your package, they have you covered. You can go to manscaped.com, get it shipped directly to your door, and get 20% off and free shipping when you use code DNVR. If you haven't done it yet, now is the time to get that junk cleaned up. Third period of the good game. Value. Yeah, I I figured I like I'd, I'd at least bait someone with that one. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, third I was period. so curious. I was like, "What's this theory?" And then you got into it. And yeah. I was like, oh. Yep. Now, like now, is... now we're in like the McDonald's ball pit, but balls <laughs> everywhere. They're just everywhere. Can't escape it. Uh, <laughs> third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. A question I meant to ask the other day, but today is just as good. AJ, do these beards count as playoff beards right now? Well, so a big reason that uh, mine looks the way that it does is num- number one. And let's just be real here. <laughs> I'm, I'm quarantined. Yeah. What am I? What am I? What am I doing here? Like, come on. <laughs> number two, RK said at the bar opening that we can't shave until the bar gets to open back up. Now, that will not be entirely true. At some point, the encroachment onto my face <laughs> my beard will have to stop because it's gotten too much but i like to think it's a playoff beard all right i'm definitely down with the playoff beard vibe it might as well count why not they <laughs> i don't want to agree to this but it just popped into my head that I have to keep the beard until this year's nhl playoffs return but that literally might be forever so i don't think i can commit to yeah. keeping that beard it's really just got to be till hockey returns even then i don't the, the way it you're gonna have to manage it in some way yeah we just you just have to gonna get unruly to the point where like where significant others are gonna be like i can't find your face no thank you right and exactly. like look y'all not worth that I'm all for facial hair. I'm definitely team facial hair when I'm eating and definitely. my mustache is getting in my mouth. Ugh. Can't be having that. Disgusting. It's just can't do it. <laughs> it's not a thing that is all right in life. Disgusting. And that's what this game felt like a little bit to me. It felt like the abs were going in to a best of three series and they got their mustache put in their mouth. Yeah, it definitely this 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 also it sort of feels like uh, when you're eating soup and it's just like you just take it off and it's yeah. still kind of hot. Yep. And you spill a bunch of it. All down your front there. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, great. Now this is like burning my tongue and my chest. Yeah. And I've made a huge mess. Everything, everything is everything awful. sucks. And <laughs> the world isn't worth living in anymore. And now I'm going to go eat at RP's. That's sort of what game five felt like. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree that in the moment back then after I watched game five, like I was not looking forward to game six at all. I was There's like the reason I went to Schlitterbahn terrified that I was like, well, this is it. The abs are going to lose it all. 
And obviously the result ended up different. And Game 7 had a bit of a different feel for me, at least, right? At that point, you're like, okay, well, this is just a moment in NHL history at this point. Even if the Avs don't win this Game 7, it's it's something special. But going into Game 6, I was like, oh, boy, (laughs) this is not going to be fun. Yeah, straight up, man. 100%. So... It's it does not it it did not feel encouraging coming out of this game. Yep. It's easy it's easy to for me to talk up like, oh well, they played better, you know, knowing how it all turned out. It's right. easy to say that. But that's the very if you take emotion completely out of it kind of <laughs> like, Right. Like like the fiance's never seen the series, right? Gotcha. And so she was talking to me earlier and she was like, I know how this ends, but how did it get there? Because she saw how game one went and where game five is, and she's just like, I don't understand. And it's, yeah, well, that's... <laughs> welcome, welcome to part of the journey. I understand being a Jets fan. You don't know what this is like. But... Playoff hockey, baby. <laughs> yeah, like high-caliber playoff hockey where you're not just happy to be there. Um, got a different feel to it entirely. So, yep, that's, you know, that's that's what's up. It's it's part of the ride. We said before this show, you know, uh, the reason we wanted to do the whole series is because you got to experience the whole thing. Game, game 7, an amazing moment, an amazing thing. Doesn't feel the same when that's it. When you have the whole ride, abs go down 3-2 in the series. Just makes it that much sweeter to me. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to Monday, Monday and Wednesday. Uh, I hope that I hope that the viewers compiling in. It's gonna be a long uh, weekend. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because like we did this two days off after this loss. Yeah, we we did not time our schedule very yeah. well. At so all. we just have to sit and kind of just like wait for it. My God, come on! Monday's gonna be great though. I'm looking forward to it. Um, a real quick, some not game five news, but news for the Avs. Uh, McDonald, uh, what what's his name? I forgot his first name. Jacob. Jacob. I was going to say Jason. I was in the ballpark. <laughs> Jacob McDonald uh, signed to a two-year extension by the Colorado Avalanche. He was a very quality AHL player for them, played both defense and offense for the Eagles a lot this year with a ton of production. We don't have to get too deep into this. We can probably save the rest of this conversation for Monday, but that's the news of the day for the Avs is another contract signed. And yep. expectations, chance, yeah. A chance for this one to matter more than the tie-in deal, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I would say there's a chance for that as well, but I don't think it will. But I'd... Yeah, I mean, that, that they got this business done is good. He was a really underrated part of the Eagles' defense this year. Um, you know, they've, they're, they could be losing. The Avs organization could be losing. Barbario, Kanaten, and Mark Alt. Yeah. And McDonald is uh, a point-producing defenseman. Yep, uh, that's that, true. That they can continue to, re- to rely upon to do that. Um, I would expect him to be on defense. I know he split time at forward this year when they needed it. But that was all. It also took like six forward call-ups for that to get to that point. Yeah. So. It got pretty wild down there. <laughs> yeah, like they were they were in survival mode of their own for a little bit. 
uh, and they did not have a Nathan McKinnon hanging around to bail them out. <laughs> um, but they, you know, McDonald was great for them. He was he was really good and and uh, a key player. Um, I I think that there's a possibility he's in competition. He's 27 years old. This is his prime, uh, like right in the, the this is the best he's going to be able to be for the next year or two. Uh, I think that there's a possibility he pushes for the 7D spot, and they hope that they have a little Ryan Graves 2.0 action with him, where you know he was a cast off from another organization. He's been a very slow burn coming in, uh, coming out of Cor- uh, Cornell. I want to say Sounds Cornell. Right. We can look it up. Um, it was Cornell. Yeah, there it was a very slow burn out of out of Cornell. Uh, a lot of ECHL games played. Has very slowly worked his way into a a, a high caliber AHL defenseman, um, and traded Callie Rosen. One of the reasons might have been because they liked what they saw out of Jacob McDonald. Instead, he's getting a nice raise. Um, he will be paid at least four hundred thousand dollars. No matter where he plays, doesn't matter anything else. I don't know why they don't just make his AHL salary four hundred thousand dollars, but whatever. He will, <clears throat> and on a two-year deal, this is a guy that could be around um, and and could compete for a roster spot next season, depending on what they want to do with that defense. See, I look at the two-year deal a little bit differently. I think that's a lot more in line with kind of what they did with Mark Alt. And it could be a call-up at times in, in emergency situations and things like that, but I wonder if they're more targeting mm-hmm. him to wear the C for the Colorado Eagles and, and be that kind of veteran presence down there. If that's what they want to do, that's also perfectly fine with me. Um, Same. But I do I do think that he put himself in line to get an NHL look at some point next year. Uh, I know we're all going to be obsessive over when Connor Timmons gets another look and Manson, yada, yada, yada. That, that will always come and play yeah but if they have two defensive injuries like Connor Timmons he can't he's not gonna do all of it you know so and I would rather see what McDonald has than go back to the Anton Lindholm well just to just to see definitely with you on that one one of my apprehensions is what they do ultimately end up doing in the offseason proper as well but cross that bridge when we get there um yeah, right now they brought back two of their better players from the Eagles, and we've talked recently about how uh, it's important that the Eagles compete. So if 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 nothing else, if this has no effect on the NHL roster, I think that that's probably that that means things are going pretty well, and yep. the Eagles the Eagles retained two two guys who were very important to them being pretty damn good this year. All right. So on that note, kind of final thoughts here. What are you going to do to cope with the Avs being down 3-2 all weekend, AJ? Uh, I'm probably going to wake up in the morning and watch rugby. Yep. I'm and ready. And you and I are probably going to stream video games at some point. I'm going to beat my XCOM file, which I'm right near the end of right now. And I'm gonna keep uh, I'm gonna keep building up my adorable little deserted island in Animal Crossing. So I've got plenty to keep me going right now. Sounds good. If you see me on WoW, blame Spence. That's oh, all I have to say. Don't do that. Not after I asked you. <laughs> I'm gonna feel so betrayed. <laughs> I'm holding strong now, but my wife uh, picked it up again. So the pull is gonna come soon. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, other than that, though, as always, 
Thank you for listening. Always appreciate it. Appreciate everyone coming out to watch these games with us. Hope everyone will join us for the good times of Game 6 starting on Monday, 6 p.m. Please come out. Have a good time with us. Other than that, we'll see you on Monday. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects and has been since 1972, and they provide the highest quality of products from die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, hoses, and specifically snow plow blades. I haven't looked out my window because it's closed right now, but I know it was snowing during the game. So these snow plow blades, you use them often and you use them heavy here in Colorado, and they can cut them to any length and slot them to meet whatever your exact specifications might be. And they make them double-sided, so you get twice the use out of them. You can always store them and have them ready to go for next winter as well. So whether it be snowplow needs or any other project you're doing that needs rubber fittings or anything like that, give them, Denver Rubber Company, a call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully.